You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. We'll be guiding you through the offseason from OTAs to training camp, yeah, we got you covered. If you have a question you'd like us to answer for you on the show, email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter at JJ Leahy or at Gil Packers. Gil, question for you. Did you see that allegedly the Chicago Bears are potentially up for sale? Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of shocking news to me, uh, considering that it's been in the Hallis family since what 1920 21 so uh the Hallis slash McCaskey family so uh it'd be a sad day if uh if the Bears are no longer associated with the Hallis McCaskey family as much as I am anything but a Bears fan obviously the Packers most traditional rival you know George Hallis is the founder or co-founder of the National Football League and you know, to have the Bears no longer be associated with his family would be a loss of some kind in the history of this league. Yeah, the end of an era. I mean, the end of an era. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Yeah, the Hallis uh, slash McCaskey clan is now verging on their fifth generation here. That's pretty crazy that the Bears have just been in that family for so long. And allegedly... Um, a, a, a source that has uh, intimate knowledge of the McCaskey family says that there is some internal strife going on among family members and there's pressure to sell now. So the the rumor going around is that a sale could be announced in the next few weeks, potentially. Again, all this is unverified. There's no... Uh, official comment out of Hallis Hall itself, but it does sound like there's a lot of smoke there. And I just got to say, you know, you can always count on the rest of the NFC North to bail out the Packers anytime they're attracting negative press attention. (laughs) Couldn't hurt, right? Well, there's three potential suitors that are being floated. Uh, Pat Ryan, Neil Bloom, and Jeff Bezos. But the interesting thing here is that Jeff Bezos is kind of only included on that list because people know that he wants his own NFL team. Um, you know, he, uh, we know that he was uh, pushing pretty hard to buy the Lions from uh, Martha Firestone Ford, who was, you know, basically told him to take a hike. Uh, we know that he was very interested in purchasing the Washington football team. And then uh, I guess the Chargers and Seahawks were two other teams that he was inquiring about. Sounds like the Bears are just actually not a team he's that interested in. I'm not sure what the reason for that would be, but he does not. It sounds like he's not really interested in the Bears. Uh, Pat Ryan, billionaire businessman in partnership with, um, 
his friend Annie McKenna sound like they might be the front runners to purchase the Bears. They currently own 19% of the Bears stock. So, uh, and Ryan also holds right of first refusal as primary investor if any of the McCaskey stock comes up for sale. So, certainly seems like he would be at the head of the line to uh, purchase the team and the word on the street is that one of his sons would uh, be the one running the team. So very interesting development there. I'm not thrilled about them being sold. I kind of like the bears being in perpetual uh, purgatory as far as being a, not a terrible enough team usually to, uh, you know, have a swing at the Trevor Lawrence's in the draft, but also never really being a threat to the Packers. I kind of like that limbo that they're in Uh, would rather not mess with that, especially, you know, now there's so much up in the air with what the Packers are going to look like over the next few years. Is there a chance that the bears could really turn things around and run the division for a while? It's always a possibility. Well, they did it in the eighties. Let's uh, let's face that. But look, you know what? Uh, They could end up with a new owner. That's better than the McCaskies, or they could end up with a, uh, an owner who interferes a lot and and is worse. So we don't know. We don't know what's out there uh, and and what that future will bring. And who knows? Maybe the McCaskies don't sell. But at the end of the day, uh, just enjoy the moment and hope that the Packers continue their dominance of the Bears. Now we have a new Packer. Uh, so cornerback Kavari Russell was released and the Packers signed wide receiver DeAndre Tompkins, not to be confused with DeAndre Hopkins, of course. So Tompkins is a former Penn State receiver. He was a 2019 undrafted free agent. Uh, there's kind of one cool thing about him, and that's that he ran a 4-3-3 at his pro day. Um, I'm not really going to sit here and, and tell our listeners that this is a signing to be super excited about. I think that he was signed solely because he's really fast and maybe they're thinking that he could contribute on special teams. It's kind of a stacked wide receiver room. This guy has just not had any impact anywhere he's gone. He signed with the Eagles. He spent a little bit of time with, um, and, and with the Eagles, he only just played in their preseason games, I think. And then he was a stealer for a little bit and they didn't let him do anything at all. Moved on from him pretty quickly. Spent a little bit of time in the XFL as a member of the DC Defenders, and that's about all there is about DeAndre Tompkins. So, uh, I, I, maybe, maybe he can do something, but, um, you know, we'll, we will tell you when we believe that a player we pick up really has, you know, some special stuff going for him. And, and I just don't think that uh, DeAndre Tompkins is in that uh, camp. No, I don't either. I think the real reason they signed him is because five wide receivers are not at OTAs this week and they needed people who could fill that spot. And it's a it's a no lose situation. You got a guy with great speed. If he shows you something you didn't expect, maybe he's still around uh, for training camp. If he doesn't, he may be gone even before training camp starts. We have to see. Yeah, it's a good point. So the top five wide receivers for the Packers, uh, you know, not counting rookie Amari Rogers did not show up to OTAs. Matt LaFleur was asked, do you think that this is related? Was there some sort of a concerted um, effort on their part all to, you know, coordinate to not show up and 
sound like he didn't think that was the case. Uh, I, with um, Equinemius and MVS and Lazard, I'll say MVS and Lazard particularly, not a ton of reason that they really should even be at OTAs. They don't have workout bonuses. Um, EQ, I would kind of expect it to be there because I think he really should be fighting for his job. <clears throat> just just because that room is getting pretty packed. You got six guys who seem like they should be locks to make the team. Um, and then you got Malik Taylor, who is a massive contributor on special teams. And I don't think that EQ or Devin Funches are uh, really in line to replace Taylor just because they're not going to be, uh, you know, putting in those special teams reps, maybe EQ more than Funches, but uh, come on, Funches is not going to be out there on special teams. And that clearly was why Taylor, you know, won a roster spot last year. Devin Funches forfeited $50,000 by not attending. Uh, he's on vacation in Tampa, as far as I can tell. And that is one of those guys that I was surprised that he wasn't there. Mm -hmm. He played he played 36 snaps total in 2019 before he had a season injury ending injury. Um, he had kind of a down year in 2018 and missed the final game of the season there with the Panthers. So it really has been since the end of the 2018 season was kind of the last time that he actually played any meaningful snaps. I I look <laughs> Funches. Knows a lot more about his own body and his own skill set than I do. Funches knows more about football than I do, probably. Yeah. I still question his decision to be on vacation instead of attending OTAs. I think that Equinemius is his biggest chance at a roster spot. You know, beating Equinemius out for that wide receiver six spot or wide receiver five spot seems to me Funches' best shot at you know, making the 53. So I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that he wasn't there. I, I was too, but again, you got to remember, this is not mandatory. So there's no penalty for, sure. for him not being there. I would have thought other than, other than forfeiting his $50,000 workout bonus. Right, right. I, look, I would have thought e, EQ and Funches both would have been there given the fact that they're fighting for jobs. And especially Funches, when you think about how much time he's missed, uh, you know, you want to get make that good first impression on the coaching staff and, and be there and, and show you, you know, get to know your teammates better and, you know, acclimate yourself to the organization. But you know what? Uh, there may be some things that I'm not aware of and, uh, we'll see, uh, what, what happens. Certainly, you know, he has to be there. What is it? June 8th is the mandatory mm -hmm. mini camp. Yep. So he's got to be there for that. You know, that if he's not there or any of these guys are not there for that, that's when I start to say, uh oh, you know, that's when that's when something isn't isn't right. It is strange that after not playing for two and a half years, that being on vacation is more interesting to him than meeting teammates and, and knocking some of the rust off. So we'll see. We'll see. But Devante is another matter altogether. Devante forfeited half a million dollars by not attending the OTAs and not participating in the workouts. And I think this is meaningful, not so much necessarily because of the Aaron Rodgers situation, 
but I think this could be related to Devontae's contract extension talks. Some people are surprised that he has not already signed a new contract. Um, no question, the Packers just don't have much money. And if there's any doubt in Devontae's mind about what kind of money he's going to be getting, what kind of contract and guarantees he's going to be getting, holding out is absolutely the right answer here. You don't look, he was the number one wide receiver in the NFL last year. And um, he's healthy right now. Those are two things that you just can't jeopardize when you're trying to negotiate your contract. Look, I was the number one wide receiver. I need you to pay me like that. And I'm healthy right now. I'm not going to go show up at OTAs and risk getting hurt um, doing something pointless here. I would much rather forfeit $500,000 and put some onus on the team to get their butts moving and give me that extension that I deserve. And until then, I'm not doing anything. And I 100% support Devonte in that decision if that's what he's doing that I to me that makes perfect sense and I think that at the very least that is what Devonte's agent should be pushing him to do strongly yeah I mean I, I agree with you that that makes sense it you know negotiations are ongoing I think that there is some connection to the Rogers situation that Adams does want to know what what Rogers is going to do before he commits himself to the Packers for another four or five years, whatever it's going to be. And and I can't blame him for that. Maybe a little column A, a little column B. Here's a question for you. Regardless of the Aaron Rodgers situation, if the Packers offered to make Devontae the highest paid wide receiver in football and gave him a contract that he felt was long enough and had enough guarantees in it that there was not any concern in his mind, do you think he would sign that or do you think he would be waiting on Aaron Rodgers? You know, I think he will be waiting. Uh, wow. I, I think he would be waiting, all things considered. Um, because Rodgers, having Rodgers there, knowing that you're going to have Rodgers there for another two or three seasons certainly changes what you could expect his productivity to be what his comfort level is going to be with the offense. And, uh, you know, I think those two have a very positive relationship. And, yeah, I, I, I think there is some connectivity between those two situations. And it also has to do with cap space as well. So uh, Certainly cap space, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think for all those reasons that we are – uh, yeah, I think he would he would at least want to know more information. I don't know if it would stop him altogether, but I think he would hesitate. Now, I know he did go on Colin Cowherd's show, and Colin asked him, would Aaron Rodgers' situation potentially change your decision about staying in Green Bay? And I know that, at, that his answer there was, um, I haven't thought about it, but yeah, I suppose it could. I, I kind of just think that at the end of the day, you know, money is money. Devontae is, look, Aaron Rodgers did not make Devontae. Devontae was f a perfectly fine wide receiver. He was a great wide receiver when Brett Hundley was throwing to him. And no no question in the world, you can't put Brett Hundley and Aaron Rodgers or Brett Hundley and basically any competent quarterback on the planet in the same tier. Right. Um, 
you know, unless Devontae's sole goal here is to win a Super Bowl, I just think you you put that guaranteed money in front of him. Yeah, make make him the highest paid wide receiver in football so that he is, you know, getting the respect from his uh, um, colleagues that he feels he deserves. I think he signs it no matter who the quarterback is. I, I, that's just my feeling on on the topic. I hope so, uh, because I definitely want him back. But uh, we have to see. We have to see what will happen. So. We're kind of in agreement that as far as we can see right now, Al Lazard and MVS and EQ being missing right now doesn't concern us at all, right? Right. Threat level zero, right? Correct. Um, Aaron Rodgers, of course, not attending OTAs. Uh, One question that has kind of come up a little bit is, do you think the Aaron Rodgers situation is going to have an effect on the morale of the team? Is it going to have an impact on the locker room? Yeah. Uh, to me, the the answer is no if it's resolved before, let's say, August 1st. If, if the Packers go into training camp and a week or two goes by and it's still hanging over their heads, he's not traded and he's not there then, yeah, it starts to become a major distraction. Right now, it's a minor distraction, even though the media is constantly talking about it. You know, players understand not everyone is going to show up for the voluntary minicamp and and OTAs, and it's not that big a deal. You'd rather have them there, but it's not that big a deal. But the further this goes on, then you have mandatory OTAs and then training camp, The longer this goes on, the worse it is as far as the distraction level. And I think if you get close to that first preseason game and he still hasn't reported or been traded, uh, then then I think it does become a bigger and bigger distraction. Yeah, that could be. And uh, there's another part to consider is what if, you know, the Packers stand firm in their stance that they're not going to trade Rodgers. And they tell him, look, if you come back and play, you know, we'll we'll trade you next year or whatever. But they're not trading this year. Let's say they don't trade him this year. And Rodgers decides, all right, I'm going to come back and play this year. But he's not bought in. And he's, you know, causing issues. That's, that's a real concern that I have. Yeah, it's a concern that I have too. You you don't want this situation to fester and get no. worse and spread throughout the locker room. And you know, here's here's the problem from a Packers perspective. Because he is so talented and because he is so proven, you know, elite, great future Hall of Famer, et cetera, et cetera. If Aaron Rodgers were to show up and not put his heart into it this year, teams would still want him. And, uh-huh. but I think he could, and he really, knows that and he knows that. And I think it could really destroy the morale of this team. Now, I don't think he's going to do that because at the end of the day, you know, the one thing that he said, uh, when he did the interview with Kenny main was that, You know, he loves his teammates. He loves the coaches. He loves the fans. I think if he shows up, he's he's either all in or he's not going to show. I I don't see Aaron Rodgers as someone who's going to go out there 
not put the effort in, embarrass himself or not play up to his standards and then hope to flip the switch back on in a year and just say to the Packers, ha ha, look what I did to you. Uh, Maybe a waste of his own time. Yeah, we wasted his own time. And you know what the other thing is? And and I'm sure this may not even cross his mind. But, you know, the, the one thing that always seems to happen when you're trying really hard to go half speed in football, that's when you get hurt. When, when, when you're not mm-hmm. giving it your all, that's when crazy and stupid injuries happen. It would be yep. it would be a disaster. The worst thing that could happen to Aaron Rodgers is that he goes out there, goes half ass. Uh, ruins his reputation further among, you know... And his body. A- and then injures himself and hurts his value or maybe, you know, heaven forbid, ends his career because of a serious injury. You know, that would be costing him a lot of, of opportunities, uh, his reputation, and and it just wouldn't sit well with anybody, I think, including him. So I, I don't think that's the way Aaron Rodgers is going to go. I think if he shows up, He's going to give it what he's got. Uh, but I, I, I think he won't show up until this is resolved to his satisfaction in some way, shape, or form. That's a great point, Gil. Something that has been kind of floating in the back of my mind and concerning me is the 2018 season when we saw a very checked out Aaron Rodgers. But you bring up a, a great point. And in 2018, Rodgers wasn't holding out. He showed up, you know, He'd been gone for most of the previous year, and he thought, yeah, we're going to come back. Uh, you know, I have my issues with the head coach, whatever, but we're going to win a Super Bowl. And then there was just a bunch of disillusionment that we saw on his face week after week. And you saw a lot of the uh, you know locker room issues at that point. And, and it was not just Rodgers. I'm not trying to say that Rodgers himself was you know the, the sole or biggest issue with the locker room that year. Uh, you know, I mean, Goody shipped out like everybody who was part of that locker room. Right. Started over fresh, gave LaFleur a brand new roster to start, you know, to, to work with. There is definitely a lot of concern on my mind. And I think you hear it from Matt LaFleur as well. He even said uh, a few weeks ago, yeah, you're a concern because we have done so much work in building the camaraderie and the morale of this team. You hate to see that going backwards. Sounds to me like, you know, with Rogers' absence that LaFleur is seeing a bit of that get eroded. And he has some work to do to build the team back up to keep him on track with where he wanted them to be. But you make a great point because he's holding out. Rogers is holding out right now. He will not be there unless things get mended. He's I think he would rather sit out for the year and be able to come back. You know, and and tell prospective teams, hey, look, you know, I was at the top of my game, I won MVP, and now I've taken a year off. And to be honest, my my body feels better than it ever has. There's a couple of old mm-hmm. kind of you know nagging, lingering injuries that I've had that have finally been allowed to heal up all the way. I am still at the top of my game right now. And mm-hmm. you tell me, there's one team out there that wouldn't buy that. Heck, I'd buy that. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, as would I. So, all right, there was there are two other absences we got to talk about from OTAs. One very unimportant and one probably very unimportant, but we're going to talk about it anyways. So, David Bakhtiari 
had the second highest workout bonus of any player on the team, just behind Zadarius Smith. Bakhtiari had a $700,000 workout bonus. Um, he has a torn ACL. I don't think you can find one person who's expecting him to be there. The question on my mind is, do what do the Packers do here? Did they waive the workout requirement for that and Bakhtiari still gets his money? Which I think is possibly the right thing to do here. So you maintain good relationships with your star left tackle, the best left tackle in the league. Um, option two, is there other are there other requirements that they just talk to him and say, hey, look, you know, if you are working through your physical therapy to rehab from this injury, we're going to count that as your workout. And uh, here's your bonus. We don't know. The Packers have not said anything about it and I have not heard LaFleur or Gutekunst be asked that question. So, but Bakhtiari is not there and I don't think anybody is expecting him to be there, but there is $700,000 you got to, you know, be wondering about. Yeah. And I don't think anybody really expected Bakhtiari to be there, like you said. And to me, the rehab is the key and I'm sure that management and his agent hash this out and that, Everybody is almost certainly on the same page. Next up, you got Jair. Um, We heard from defense backs coach Jerry Gray talking about Jair. I don't think I don't recall him talking about Jair not being there, but they have been in close contact. Does not sound like there's any concern about him holding out. Jerry was talking about and, and by the way, Jerry did not have a workout bonus, so no extra incentive to be there at the voluntary OTAs. Right. But. The reason I bring Jair up is because of the interesting comments that Jerry Gray has. And by the way, my gosh, I cannot believe that the Vikings let Coach Gray get away. <laughs> the wealth of wisdom and experience and just football knowledge inside that man's brain is absolutely absurd. What a delightful and genius coach we got. Yeah, it's great to have him. So he's talking about Jair, and he made it very clear that he does not want Jair to think that he can just waltz on in and automatically repeat as the best cornerback in football. And he specifically mentioned, Hey, I told Jair, look, you know, you were great last year, but every top wide receiver in the league is going to want a shot at you now. They're going to want to take you on mano y mano. And, you know, this is going to be serious bragging rights for them when they're talking to all the other wide receivers. They want a shot at embarrassing you. Mm-hmm. And he said that he told Jair, Jair, your biggest uh, obstacle is you. You cannot let yourself get in the way of your own success. You can't be sitting here thinking that, oh, I'm just automatically this great. And I'm going to repeat this year just like I did last year and be great again without putting in the work I put in last year. And that to me is really interesting. And I like that we got Coach Gray in that room, keeping Jair honest and working on the rest of those DBs as well. Yeah, I mean, look, it is human nature to get a little bit satisfied after you accomplish something. And Mm -hmm. the, the difference between a flash in the pan And a Hall of Fame player is usually not talent. It's the ability to 
maintain that work ethic and keep on trying to improve. You talk about guys like Jerry Rice, who even though he was the best receiver in football for most of his career, you know, the reason he played so long and the reason he stayed so good so long is because of how hard he worked at it. So definitely great to see Jair being challenged and hopefully he responds perfectly to that challenge. You know, I just forgot there were two other guys I wanted to mention just in passing. I'm, I'm just putting these guys in the same breadth as uh, Devin Funches and EQ. We had two cornerbacks who didn't show up that I just was really surprised that they felt comfortable enough to skip. That would be Kadar Holman and Stanford Samuels. Mm-hmm. Um, just right off the bat, let me just point out we do not have the same number of cornerbacks this year that we did last year. We added two new cornerbacks in the draft, Shamar Jean Charles and Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes is a first-round pick. Kadar and Stanford kind of could barely get on the field last year. I'm just surprised that they feel that they don't need the extra reps and the extra, um, shall I say, uh, specific focus and attention from the coaches right now to make the team this year. I That just surprises me a lot. Yeah, you're not alone. But, uh, you know, again, we don't know whether or not there's a reason. We don't know whether or not the coaching staff is aware. But it, if I were them, I'd be there unless there was a physical or personal reason why I couldn't be. Now, one last little thing that I want to throw out there and – some of the listeners have probably been, you know, screaming this at their, um, you know, their stereo since we first started talking about guys missing. Yes. Okay. We do know that the OTs, OTAs are voluntary. We do know that the NFLPA has been encouraging players to skip the OTAs. Mm-hmm. We know all that. Um, there are just some players like Stanford Samuels, who is an undrafted free agent who, you know, just pretty much made the team last year because there was nobody else uh, because KB on Ento got injured and, you know, missed the entire season was on IR from week one, by the way. Yeah. KB going to be back. Yep. He looked great in practice. I mean, obviously it's OTAs. That doesn't mean anything, but nice to see him back. Um, so, and, and I, and I want to throw out one last little thing is that there are other teams around the league that are having the same issue. The Patriots uh, are missing like, Everybody, the Buccaneers are missing like all of their hands team, all their uh, top wide receivers. I I think I saw somebody said that Tom Brady wasn't even at OTAs, which I mean, come on. Brady does not need to be at OTAs. But point being, uh, the uh, Buccaneers just won the Super Bowl. If they're having trouble getting getting guys to show up, uh, that makes me a lot less concerned about the Packers having a hard time getting people. Yeah, no, look, the Packers have, what, 80 out of 90 players that uh-huh. uh, are on the roster at OTAs. That's a pretty darn good percentage. What is it, 88%, 87% off the top of my head? Yep. Yep. So uh, you take it. And, you know, I think the the, the big issue is obviously Rodgers and then the five receivers. That Those are the guys that and, – and because of the sort of connection between the quarterback and the receivers – it just sort of stands out in a lot of people's minds, and understandably so. But look, here's... The- and Devontae's extension. Right. And Devontae's extension. Correct. But I-, I think at the end of the day, 
if these issues get resolved, no one will even remember it. It'll be a little blip. If these things fester and they uh, don't get resolved, then this is the beginning of a very difficult off, you know, rest of the off season for this team. Got some offensive line news. So Elton Jenkins is taking all of his snaps at left tackle right now. Um, Goody was obviously complimentary of Bakhtiari's uh, ACL rehab progress, but come on, show me one guy in NFL history who was not ahead of schedule in his ACL rehab. At least officially. (laughs) Exactly. So left guard right now seems to be John Runyon. And, uh, hey, Gil, you know how it seems like every uh, NFL coach out there always says National Football League instead of NFL? Right. It seems to me like the the uh, Packers podcaster equivalent is all, always saying John Runyon Jr. instead of John Runyon. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> I feel like most of most of us fans don't add the junior on there, but every time I listen to any Packers podcaster, they go, and John Runyon Jr. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, yes, we... <laughs> it does roll off the tongue, and then I guess you don't want to confuse him with his father, although I don't think anybody thinks his father is still out there, but yeah, uh, as far as being a player is concerned, but I guess they want to differentiate, you know, junior from senior, but uh, yeah, it is sort of a thing, yeah. Personally, I trust our listeners are smart enough to remember which John Runyon is currently on the Packers roster. Well, the other John Runyon was never on the Packers roster. You know, it's <laughs> hey, easier. never say never. He could unretire. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> and then, uh, so Josh Myers is uh, seems for all intents and purposes to be the new center, which is great. It's kind of what you expected, um, and it explains a lot. You know, the big question. Before the draft was, okay, is Elton going to be the center this year? Are they going to kick him out to tackle? Well, drafting Josh Myers, who has always been a center for forever, really opens up a lot of options there. Frees you up to kick Elton out to left tackle. Billy Turner is playing right tackle. John Runyon steps up and fills in that left guard spot. And the right guard appears to be a battle between Lucas Patrick and rookie Royce Newman. Very interesting. Yeah, and and you know what it is? I I, I think this is exactly what I expected coming into this situation. You have to remember, this is not the opening day lineup. This is the starting point. This is where the the coaching staff is, you know, okay, this is the starting gate. These five guys are ahead right now. Uh, And and to me, this particular lineup that they had at OTAs gives them – as much continuity given the present circumstances as they could have the two players on the right side of the offensive line remain the same. You have very few options at tackle to replace Bakhtieri. Mm -hmm. Your best option as far as keeping left tackle, which is considered the most important position along the offensive line is Elton Jenkins. And, you know, you also have to remember Elton Jenkins started last year at tackle opening day. He he played offensive oh, yeah. tackle until Lane Taylor got hurt and then everybody shuffled back around. Um so to me it makes the most sense. Runyon has the most experience out of all the other guard candidates so you pencil him in but obviously he will battle for playing time. 
And then obviously the question becomes when Bakhtieri is ready to come back and Elton Jenkins moves over to left guard, do, do you keep Lucas Patrick at right guard or Royce Newman or does Runyon slide over? There are a lot of things that have to be determined between now and then. But this, to me, this is where the coaching staff envisions it would be in an ideal world. And then we have to see, you know, whether that changes based on injuries, performance and and everything else. And you got to keep in mind of those three guys that we were just talking about, those those guard options. Royce Newman was drafted the highest. I believe Lucas Patrick was an undrafted guy. Yeah, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's right. Other guys that are being left out in the cold, you know, working with the, the second team and all that. You got Cole Van Lannen, but obviously he was drafted much later and has a lot less experience than uh, Lucas Patrick or, or John Runyon. Uh, Yash Nijman, still not really sure what he's doing on the roster. Obviously, really love the talents that he has, but the for whatever reason, the coaches never seem interested in either cutting him or giving him a job. So I just don't know what's <laughs> going on with him. If it was me, I'd give him a job, but you know, I I, I don't know. They 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 don't want to do either one, as uh, it seems. So uh, and then that's about it. You got uh, you know Billy Turner is kicked out to uh, right tackle. Is Simon Stepniak is uh, probably compete you know fighting for a roster spot. You know with uh, guys like Koi Kronk and Cole Van Lannen and Jake uh, Hansen ben and Ben. J- oh, Jake Hansen's the one I always forget about. Yeah, 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 yeah. We so, got a stacked offensive line group this year, no question about it. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about it is that so many of them can play different positions, and I think that always adds to, uh, you know, it, it adds to the depth. And you know, the the concern again that I have is that your starting Pro Bowl left guard is your swing tackle right now. Uh, I'm concerned about the depth at tackle. There are plenty of guys. Look, Runyon played tackle in college. Newman played tackle in college. Koi Kronk Kronk did a fabulous job at at left tackle for a while. Right. Didn't do so well at right tackle. Right. And and of course, uh, Elton Jenkins could play any of the five positions along the offensive line. I think, I think he has already played at least some snaps. I think he's never all. played at right, right guard. guard. I think right guard right. is the one that he's never played. Yeah, but he certainly is capable. And, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, I'm concerned about the depth at tackle. And you, you talked about uh, Neiman, and you just got to hope that either he, look, how many years can you carry a developmental left tackle and neither give him a job nor cut him. Eventually, you got to do one or the other. We'll see. Uh, we ran out of time to talk about linebackers today. We'll save that for next week. Got some interesting stuff to go over there. Okay. Some guys moving around to different rooms and uh, some insight from linebacker coach Kirk Olvidati. I'll just preview that and just say that uh, he told us several times that tackling is going to be a major emphasis this year. So the terrible tackling we saw all last year, especially in the uh, Saints game, uh, apparently it bothers the coaches as much as it bothers the fans. So nice to see that that is going to be an emphasis. Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, it's it, it's been a few years that it's been an issue for, uh, as far as the fans are concerned. So let's hope that the team can improve in that area. Well, we got a debate topic for this week, but first – I wanted to ask, did you see that uh, Todd Gurley is visiting the Lions? Yeah, yeah, Todd Gurley <laughs> is visiting the Lions. And, uh, uh, you know, look, how many former, you know, uh, 
lot of they'll have a lot They're of bodies just taking there. Everybody's leftovers. They'll, they'll have a lot of bodies there running back. But you know what they say. Uh, you know, if you have that many guys coming in, it means that you're you're concerned about the talent level at the position. I I, uh-huh. I, I think Todd Gurley, uh, unfortunately, is not what he used to be pre-injury. The condition, I mean, the arthritic knee is kind of a chronic condition that's never really going to go away. He may still be able to provide flashes now and again, but I don't see him being a dominant factor anymore, unfortunately, for him. He might be the new Adrian Peterson because uh, Peterson, I, I believe, is not on any team right now, uh, right. not according to over the cap anyways. So, yeah, they got Jamal Williams. They got DeAndre Swift. Uh, I think they lost on Johnson. I forget where he went. Something like uh, Washington or something, wasn't it? Yeah, he did. Uh, he's not with them anymore. I know that. Oh, he, he's uh, he's in Philadelphia now. Ah, yeah, that's okay, right. Okay. That's right. So that'll be interesting. Uh, Todd Gurley doesn't scare me anymore. Uh, this is not 2018. Exactly. So our debate topic for this week. Last week, we debated which player are we the most excited to see have a bounce back year after last year. And the, our two answers, you were arguing for Preston Smith. I was arguing for Josiah DeGuara. Let me just say that even though in the eyes of, the, of our listeners in the Twitter poll, they handily picked Josiah DeGuara. Uh, Preston Smith was look. He he showed up to OTAs looking lean and mean. He dropped a lot of weight. Sound like Mike Smith was excited to see that. And uh, Josiah DeGuara was also back. He was not able to participate in the regular drills with um, the rest of his position group, but he was getting some work over on the side. Nice to see him coming back as well. Both of those guys have massive opportunities to really impact the team's success this year. Yeah, and hopefully they will. Uh, we definitely want to see Preston back to 2019 Preston, and we want to see what DeGara could do because he only played in, you know, one and a half games, really. All right, so there's been a lot of talk about the star position on defense. So the question is, um, who, do you wanna, who, do you, who do you think is the best candidate to be the star? for the Packers defense this year. And I'll give a little bit of a breakdown. So the star is essentially, for lack of a you know better term, it's essentially your nickel uh, defender. He's the inside slot guy. When you take a linebacker off the field and replace him with a back, uh, and, and he's usually in the slot, that's your star. So because of where he is, he could be taking on tight ends or guards, but he needs to be both physical in the run game and able to seal off the edge and also able to cover in space. So you're looking for a guy who's tall, athletic, fast, and he also needs to be able to rush the passer. And a lot of schemed up blitzes are specifically designed to free up that star to get in there and rush the passer. And of note, teams will frequently rotate guys through that position. But Joe Barry has been asked about, you know, are the, you know, who do you think is going to be filling that role? And he declined to show his cards. Uh, He said there were um, a a few different guys on the team that he was interested in seeing what they could do. The question is, who do we think is going to be the best fit for that star role? So I'm going to say Jair Alexander. You got Kevin King and Eric Stokes, uh, hopefully toward, you know, once the season season kind of gets rolling, you can have them both on the outside consistently, but but uh, which would free up the concern of taking Jair out of that role for a snap or two. 
but also looking at Jair, he just he just fits the mold. Um, the you know the one question that you have there is that he's not as tall as you'd like to see with the star. He's a shorter guy, but he his height has never been an issue for him. He's very athletic and very fast, and he is one of the better run defense uh, run defenders on the team. Uh, they are going to rotate guys through that position. Probably you'll see different guys in there, but my guess is your first look, um, you know, when you, when you really need that guy is going to be Jair. Who are you taking Gil? You know, it's a tough one. Uh, it, 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 it's one of those situations where I'm concerned, uh, about putting Jair there all the time because he is such a good cover corner and, and putting him in, in a slot type situation may not be, Ideal. I could see him being mixed in, but I, I, I'm not so sure that he should be the primary guy at that position. Uh, I would like to see uh, Stokes step into that position. I think that... Oh, another corner. Yeah, uh, another corner, but somebody who you could bring along and, and, you know, he's got the physical tools to get the job done. The question is, how quickly will he be ready to, to do it psychologically and and picking up the defense and knowing where to be. It, it certainly, you know, involves a lot of decision-making and until he's comfortable in the defense, uh, it may not be ideal, but once he is comfortable in the defense and if he picks it up quickly enough, I think he has the physical tools, the size, uh, the ability to stay with people, the speed, and it'd be interesting to see what he could do trying to blitz the quarterback occasionally as well. So, I, I think they're going to rotate people in, but but I think Stokes is probably uh, a great candidate for that star position right now. I was a little bit surprised you didn't um, go with one of the safeties like Darnell. Would have made sense. I thought you know Darnell. I I thought about Darnell, but he has, doesn't have the size. I don't know if his mm. body could take the pounding. And then I thought about Amos, but I think Amos wouldn't have the speed you want for that position. He does center field so well. Uh, he has the smarts for the position. I just don't know if he has the raw physical tools for the position. So, uh, well, if, St- if Stokes can develop that, that you know, he's got all the tools you'd ask for. Exactly. So that's why I went with Stokes. All right, fans, time for you to weigh in. Head on over to twitter.com slash JJ Leahy, or you can check out Gil Packers as well. And we'll both pin this poll to the top of our page so you can weigh in. And that does it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers or at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can also email those questions to us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. And thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Dot com.